Sarah just added kettlebell classes to her 300 gyms. The thing is, those gyms don't have kettlebells just yet, but Sarah isn't sweating it. Her equipment supplier has Salesforce Customer 360, the number one CRM, so they can unite around customers like her. Marketing already knows the model she wants, so commerce and IT serve it right to her in a mobile app. Wow, one-click checkout. See how uniting your teams can help you wow customers at salesforce.com slash customer 360. This is the story of a home, of family game nights, and living room dance recitals. Wow, that was some storm. It's also the story of an insurance company that offered information and advice to help prepare that home for the worst. If it matters to you, Travelers Insurance will help protect it. Travelers, it's better under the umbrella. Speak to an independent agent today. All right, joining us now is Joe Bannister. Uh, I've interviewed Joe several times, had, a, had the pleasure to do it. Uh, a man of integrity. He's a former criminal investigator for the IRS. Uh, now he is an agent for truth. Uh, that's the name of his website, as well as a podcast that he has. Thank you for joining us, Joe. Thank you, David. It's great to see you again and, and talk with you and uh, hook up with Travis again to see, yes, see yes. his smiling face. Great to have you there. <laughs> Tell people a little bit about where they can find you. Uh, first of all, uh, where can they find Agent for Truth and, and tell us a little bit about the podcast that's going on? Uh, yeah, the website is agentfortruth.com. Uh, I started out uh, 23 years ago with a website called freedomabovefortune.com because I had to decide what was more important, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so-called fortune at the IRS with a secure pension and paycheck uh, or freedom, you know, for myself, my family and, and for our country. Uh, but I thought Agent for Truth was a was a good uh, a good little moniker there since I was a, a special agent uh, with the IRS and uh, wanted to be the best agent for truth uh, that I could be. So agentfortruth.com is the website. Uh, I actually wrote a book, if you don't mind me doing a shameless plug. No, do it. Yeah. Uh, called Investigating the Federal Income Tax Report to the American People. And that's because in 1999 when I resigned, I wrote a preliminary report. Uh, so, of course, now that 23 years have passed, uh, there's a lot. There was a lot more news, including uh, criminally prosecuting me, uh, stripping me of my CPA certificate, all kinds of fun and games that the IRS can uh, can lash out at. Um, so, yeah, I, I have a podcast. Uh, it's actually a, just through Zoom, uh, kind of a wonkish. Thing. We have uh, attorneys and paralegals, and we speak uh, for years was about the income tax, of course, and taxation. But over the last couple of years, it's been uh, all about COVID because yeah. all the lockdowns and the, the tyranny uh, seem to make the IRS uh, <laughs> maybe not pale in comparison, but uh, certainly uh, set it off to the side because, you know, it's like the powers that be were fine um, through the monetary system and the taxation system harvesting like us like silkworms. Yep. And then all of a sudden it changed to, we need to kill them. <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're for dinner, you know, uh, yeah. they want us to eat silkworms until we die and they keep us uh, in prison. I agree with you. Absolutely. And, and you know, I've said many times, uh, Joe, that the, um, uh, I think the IRS kind of set a lot of precedents of, of having a, a, a bureaucracy that was a law unto itself. And, and, you know, uh, Rand Paul and uh, others have 
in years past would put out the RAINS Act to rein in the bureaucracy because we now have taxation without representation. We have regulation without representation. Nancy Pelosi said of Obamacare, we got to pass it so we can find out what's in it. They get these funding and, and they create a bureaucracy and then they let them create the rules. And then after they create their rules, you don't have any presumption of innocence. You don't have due process and they have no prohibition against excessive fines because they say, well, these are rules. These aren't laws. You only have uh, uh, these types of legal protections if it's a law enacted by Congress. So we won't have Congress do any laws. We'll have the bureaucracy create the rules. And so I think that the IRS really took the lead in all of that. But now it's been weaponized uh, by, especially in this medical uh, martial law that we've had, it's been that same tactic now has uh, been extended to all different aspects of our life, hasn't it? Yes. In fact, I was, a, you know, as I uh, will can talk about, of course, is like being criminally prosecuted. So they actually went through the process of indictment and prosecuting me and I was deservedly acquitted. We could talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the administrative state, uh, the, the way that I was stripped of my CPA certificate, you know, that I earned from the state of California back in 1991 was through this administrative state. I basically had a, a administrative law judge from the Environmental Protection Agency <laughs> to, to decide wow. my fate uh, in terms of a disbarment from, you know, being able to help clients before the IRS. How did the EPA, uh, how'd they get the EPA involved in that? Uh, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess he was the only one available and they, but I, I think it had a connection with the department of Homeland security, uh, because I, my, um, it wasn't a trial. It was more like a hearing was mm -hmm. supposed to occur on coast guard Island in San Francisco Bay. Hmm. And that's a military installation where, you know, you can only come and go as they allow you. Uh, no, no witnesses. They really, you know, I called it the Shanghai on CGI for Coast Guard <laughs> Island. Uh, so I just, just to point out that that administrative state can really grind you up and you go through all these appeals and, but you, re it's really not due process, uh, not in, in the, the true sense. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They really wiped that out. As we saw during the COVID uh, stuff, you had the CDC claiming that they had control over uh, foreclosures and evictions and things like that. You know, um, it, it's just amazing to see how uh, they just pass the power around amongst themselves. And, and it really is taxation without representation, regulation without representation, and of course, trials really without any representation or legal uh, due process. That, that's what's really dangerous about this. Tell people a little bit about your, your process and uh, a little bit about your background, because it's been a while since you've been on and um, uh, we got a lot of new listeners who, who don't know how uh, you went from being a criminal investigation uh, agent for the IRS into somebody that they targeted. Thank you. Uh, well, so, I, you know, with all the white hair, it's been, been quite a while. But uh, after graduating from college and uh, recognizing that the accounting profession was quite boring, it took me a while to figure that out. I don't know, don't know why. Uh, but I also had lots of friends and relatives in law enforcement. And so I thought, well, how can I match this, uh, you know, accounting uh, degree and experience with law enforcement? And so, of course, a, an investigative role uh, came about. So I applied to the FBI and the IRS Criminal Investigation Division, and uh, the FBI actually had a hiring freeze. I, I qualified to be sent to Quantico, Virginia, but due to a hiring freeze, um, I was basically in this holding pattern. Then the IRS called, and I, you know, 
granted, the FBI has gotten a worse and worse reputation as the decades roll along. But back then in the 90s, <laughs> you know, at least to carve away a Ruby Ridge. And as I say, it was a unfolding process. But compared to the IRS, I thought, well, the FBI would definitely be a better <laughs> agency. Uh, but there was a hiring freeze. So uh, it, it kind of the idea of working for the IRS kind of grew on me because it was a special agent position, a criminal investigator, you know, gun and a badge. Uh, you're working on money laundering cases, really detailed, you know, cases with other agencies. And, you know, I'm granted tax and accounting was my background. So it seemed like a pretty good fit. Um, so in November 93, I was sworn in as an IRS special agent. And just for the for the audience, the IRS has a civil, you know, civil functions where there's audits and levies and things like that. And then they have a criminal investigation function where when a uh, when proof of an intentional violation of a law can can be uh, you know investigated, then you'd have a, a criminal investigator who would do that, much like a police officer would investigate a, a crime scene um, or you know, whether it be Secret Service investigating um, counterfeiting or whatever it might be. So the IRS is it, had it, is it uh, Does it have to be something associated with a crime or is it something that is uh, tax, um, was it evasion as opposed to, um, uh, you know. Avoidance. Crime, avoidance, yeah. Avoidance is, I can't remember which is, which is like the, the approval versus the authorization for the vaccines. So uh, it's okay and it's, it's, it's uh, part of the game to try to avoid your taxes and that's encouraged. But if you evade your taxes, then is that when they get the criminal people involved uh, or do they still have for e evasion, do they still have uh, some of the um, non-criminal auditors uh, involved with that? Well, that's like, that's the way it's supposed to work. In other words, if you don't have a, a mens rea, you don't have a criminal intent, then it should be in the purview of, of you know, avoidance, which even the Supreme Court, numerous courts have ruled Tax avoidance is not a crime. In fact, it's expected. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way another mission creep for the IRS is even tax avoidance has become uh, a punishable matter. Mm. Oh. So, you know, it's something for people to keep in mind. But anyway, the difference between the two is that tax avoidance is, you know, utilizing the law as written to minimize or eliminate taxes as much as possible. Tax evasion is knowing that you have a, a known legal duty to obey some law or you know, provide such information and then uh, purposely not doing so willfully is actually the word that they use. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so when we look at this explosion in, in the IRS and well, let's continue on with your story. I don't want to get away with your story. Let, let's go back and, and talk about your journey. You go to work for the IRS and then what happens? Uh, so in 1993, and I expected to spend a full 20-year career there because as a, as a law enforcement position, uh, it's not a 30-year retirement, it's a 20-year retirement. Hmm. Uh, you work 50-hour work weeks, uh, so you're getting a 10, or basically a 25% premium in your pay, uh, plus you know the extra pay for you know being the, a law enforcement kind of person, gun and badge and all that. Uh, so I really expected to spend a 20-year career there, and Again, because the you know you're investigating money laundering and you know really intricate crimes, uh, and you know protecting the treasury as you're you know you're thinking you're doing that, and and so I I believe those functions are necessary, um, and so my expectations were kind of changed when about three years into my career there, I was listening to a talk radio show, and that's why I'm so <laughs> you know, 
people like David Knight are so admirable uh, because you you got those the truth pills uh, dispensing in big bottles. Um, but anyway, I was an avid uh, talk radio listener, and so uh, they had a guest on the show talking about the income tax and the Federal Reserve and you know, all the things that back in the '90s and prior to that were just thought of as oh the kookiest oh yeah subject matter right yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, we, um, we would have we'd run people for office with the Libertarian Party, and we'd start out by saying we want to abolish the income tax and the IRS. And everybody, oh, they're just radical. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. listen to these people, right? You know, so yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the pioneers. So thank thank goodness <laughs> for the pioneers, uh, the trailblazers. So anyway, uh, listened, and then it was on a talk show of a guy that was always telling the truth about every other thing. So I thought, well. Why, why would he lie to us now? Why would he have a guest on that would lie to his audience? So that's what got me started. So I spent two years off duty, um, you know, evenings and weekends investigating whether or not these claims about the income tax uh, were actually true. And the basic claim was that the IRS, uh, the income tax was not actually required to be paid by most Americans because they were no federal law ever made them liable to pay the tax. And the IRS's own instructions, their their own regulations state that if you're liable for a tax, then you have all these requirements that you have to follow. But it's that key juncture: are you liable? And you know, nowadays, you, any American can search the internet and search through the entire thick Internal Revenue Code. Uh, old guys like us would call it thick, right? They, it's just on a computer screen now. But you can you can search through all these laws and find out well where where do I become liable? How does this happen? The IRS says I have to do all these things if I'm liable for the tax. Let's see where that happens. And then you Americans who do the the research come to find out that oh wow I'm I'm not liable for the income tax. Is that some kind of an oversight? Um, <laughs> I remember so for I, years they would send out the package. I don't know if they do this anymore, but they would say, you know, the, the income tax is a voluntary thing and we really do appreciate you volunteering. And I used to think yes. that was the most cynical thing, you know, but it's just like, uh, you would get the printed paper maps and it would always have something there from the, the governor of whatever the state was reminding you that driving is a privilege. Well, the IRS would always send this thing out and say, oh, and thank you for complying with this voluntarily. Uh, and all the rest of it, I was like, what are they talking about? I know what's going to happen if I don't volunteer, you know, they're going to voluntarily yes. haul me away, you know? Uh, no, so that's, that's exactly. And that's kind of like, you know, when they say the, if you're blindfolded and you, you, there's an elephant in the room, but you don't know it and you touch and there's a trunk and you touch and there's a big toenail. And yeah. so, so those kinds of clues, even from the commissioners who would mm -hmm. write those, uh, those introductory letters each year, uh, that's just one of many. Uh, parts of the elephant to indicate how illegitimate, you know, the IRS's uh, enforcement and administration of the income tax actually is. And of course, I always hesitate. I'm not a, I'm not like urging people like the Pied Piper, go out and battle with the IRS, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah that's the I problem. Just, Even if they don't have authority, they got a lot of power, you know, and right. we see power abused all the time without authority. I mean, look at the last uh, couple of years here, how they've abused uh, they're, you know, without authority, they've abused their power. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. And you're talking about how thick it's become. And that's one of the ways that they can really control you. If the law is sufficiently complex so that nobody knows what it is really, uh, then it's the same as having no law at all. And that really has been kind of the operating principle of much of the government, not just the IRS, but you know, they bury, 
uh, everything in so many levels of detail that nobody really knows what it is. It's not a simple statement like we have in the Bill of Rights. And instead, they create these complicated prevarications to erase our Bill of Rights in our Constitution. Yes. And I think also your listeners and yourself will be uh, fascinated by this little little fact. You, I'm sure everyone's heard, especially with the COVID, how uh, people are accused of being, you know, um, mass misinformation spreaders. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the IRS actually wrote the book on that. Uh, they, they would designate people as illegal tax protesters. Uh, if you point out an actual black letter law to the IRS auditor, for example, they'll tell you it's a frivolous argument. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so, so smearing people with, uh, you know, labels like illegal tax protester or tax denier, or, mm -hmm. uh, it really, the book was written uh, by the IRS in the yes. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. So, you know, all they had to do was dust that off. Uh, Fauci could just dust off all those yeah. uh, policies and, and, and practices and, uh, you know, dismiss. Of course, thankfully, people, there's enough courageous people that they can be called any name in the book. They don't care. The truth is the truth. And eventually, um, you know, the purveyors of the lies uh, start scurrying for the for the dark corners of the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we're at that point right now. I spent the beginning of this program talking about, hey, it looks like it's, it's turned. They've decided that uh, they can't hide the massive pile of bodies everywhere and everybody's turning on each other well he was the one who did it i didn't do it you know <laughs> that type of thing all the finger pointing is now started which is a good move for our side as long as they don't try to escalate this with some other kind of attack or with a war to try to wipe all this stuff out but I, i'm curious because you know joe um once you challenge them especially from the inside uh things must have gotten really bad for you uh they did i mean i was uh you know, not to toot my own horn, but in terms of awards and promotions and uh, everybody asking, oh, wow, you must be going to go into management. You know, you're just a, a hard charger. And so everything was really great until I start, you know, I just kind of raised my hand sheepishly and said, <laughs> hey, you know, I've been doing this research about the income tax and trying to dismiss these claims by these so-called tax protesters. And sure, there's some strange stuff out there. But you know, I'm I'm a CPA. You 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 trust me to carry this gun and a badge around. Um, these are the things that I found, and you know, given that I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution, and you did too, you know, to my supervisors. Mm -hmm. uh, what about this? I mean, I, I really think I need to get this resolved so that I can be assured that I am actually abiding by my oath. <laughs> and uh, well, the answer I got was uh, you probably already can can figure it out. <laughs> Uh, they were not happy. Uh, they would not answer any of my questions. Um, they would not even address my report, uh, which is, you know, the this is what uh, evolved. But originally it was a 99-page report uh, provided to my supervisors just highlighting some of the concerning uh, issues. Mm -hmm. And they sent my, my uh, inquiries up this chain of command up to the assistant commissioner for criminal investigation. And the word came back down, no answer of your questions. We'll provide you with the paperwork to tend to your resignation. Wow. Uh, took, your, took my gun and badge away, kept my pager for a week. Uh, you know, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> and then I, I really decided that because I had a, a really, frankly, a stellar reputation, uh, that if I stayed with the IRS, then they would have made sure that they ruined it. Yeah. And, then, and then who would believe me? So 
I actually resigned uh, on my birthday, February 25th, 1999. And I, I don't know how many listeners know this, but my birthday, February 25th, and the income tax birthday, February 25th, 1913, uh, we share the same day. So uh, wow. maybe I was meant to, uh, to blow a few whistles. Wow. So did they just let you uh, resign? And that was there were those criminal charges against you, though, right? Yeah, resigned in 99. And then I had, um, you know, no mainstream media attention immediately. I mean, you'd think if a criminal investigator for the IRS was blowing the whistle that the mainstream media would care. Well, people thought that <laughs> in the old days. Um, so that didn't happen. But then the, you know, the Internet was taking off. Uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. So I was getting a lot of attention. And then eventually the mainstream media did pay attention to me. And that's another thing I found out about the way the government and the media work. They want to, they pay attention to you right before they take you down. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I was on 60 Minutes 2. You know, there's a 60 Minutes and a 60 Minutes 2. So I made it to 60 Minutes 2. I was interviewed by the New York Times a number of times. Um, C-SPAN, uh, MSNBC, all kinds of media organs. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, they're actually paying attention to, not to me, but, you know, to the issue. I mean, uh, we traveled to Congress, uh, to, the, to the White House, the Supreme Court, trying to petition for a redress of our grievances. Uh, well, in, in um, reward, uh, as a reward for all my efforts, I was indicted in November of 2004 on mm. four felony counts. Three counts were preparing three false federal income tax returns for a client. And the fourth count uh, for good measure was conspiracy to defraud the United States of America. Hmm. So uh, my trial was in June of 2005. I had about seven months to prepare. And, uh, you know, I was looking at, I don't know, anywhere from probably three to five, six years in federal prison if I was convicted. And, uh, you know, the basic premise was that I prepared these tax returns on behalf of a client. He was, he had already paid taxes and was seeking a refund. Mm -hmm. And there's a process that you follow. And that's why he hired me to make sure that we followed the process to the letter. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, as I, as I mentioned about tax avoidance and tax evasion, they can turn tax avoidance, seeking a refund, for example, into a crime. Mm -hmm. And so they call it false, uh, false refund claim. I was the one that prepared the tax return. So therefore I conspired with the client. Um, of course, none of that was true. Uh, they didn't, even their experts on the witness stand, we, uh, my attorneys walked them through just about every line of the tax returns and said, you know, is this line false? Is this line false? Is this line false? And they, there was nothing false about them. And so the jury's kind of scratching their heads like, why why is this guy being prosecuted the 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 prosecution can't even tell us he did anything bad <laughs> so uh, so i was acquitted uh in june of 2005 of those charges and then of course the whole irs um civil function uh descended upon me mm. with audits and mm -hmm. and then the the cpa uh disbarment thing was percolating along and of course that's one of the many reasons why i don't you know act like the Pied Pipers telling people, Hey, go battle with the IRS because right. I just don't think most people are, uh, I wasn't even really equipped, uh, for it, but you know, That's I right. just reach, reach out to the Lord and, uh, know that he'll, he'll protect you and not necessarily from 
pain or suffering, but in terms of protection of your soul and uh, you know your your desire for truth. Yes, that's right. That is the thing that matters, and that is the uh, final court and judgment that matters, and that's what gives us the leverage to make these kinds of changes. Uh, well, you know, I, I really and I understand because I have I've talked to. Uh, people who went to battle with the IRS, a new one guy who went to prison and his, you know, what happened to him in trial was uh, he went in, he thought he found something in the law that, uh, you know, shut everything down. And so he was going to uh, make that the issue at the trial. And he, he brings up, he goes, well, what about this? And I said, no, we're not going to talk about that next question, you know, and uh, that was it. And yeah. he couldn't even find anybody who's going to represent him. So he does it, you know, his himself and they wouldn't answer the first question. They just shut everything down and, uh, wouldn't consider anything. Did they try to, uh, uh, w with your situation and try to uh, bring enough charges that, uh, they offered you a, a plea bargain instead of having a jury trial? Was that, uh, you know, interestingly, and according to my attorneys who'd had much more experience with trials and, and pleas, uh, they never offered me a plea. Uh, it's almost like they knew what what fingers I would show them if they had done that. <laughs> uh, bother with it. But they said it was really unprecedented that there wasn't even a, a plea offer. So they must have, you know, done a some kind of study of of my uh, personality or something that, you know, I wow. granted, you know, there's people that are guilty of crimes that say, I, you know, I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I I didn't. There was nothing uh, untoward at all. Uh, you know, I wouldn't sign a document under penalty of perjury unless I knew that it was true, correct, and complete. And of course, the trial proved that they all were, mm -hmm. but they charged me anyway. In fact, the special agent that I used to work with who investigated me, uh, I have it from a very good source that he actually recommended that I not be prosecuted. And when a special agent, you know, actually any investigator, does a, an investigation, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to find that there's a crime granted in jury, grand juries and diet ham sandwiches, et cetera. But there is actually, you come to the end of the road and the investigator is supposed to give it a recommendation. Should there be prosecution or not? And I've never been able to get my hands on the report, but a very reliable source said that the special agent actually recommended that I not be prosecuted because he could not find, you know, evidence that the elements of the crime had been satisfied. And yet the, the, the DOJ, the IRS, you know, all the, the, the bureaucracy decided, well, we're going to prosecute him anyway, because we can't have this wayward guy uh, telling the public that there might be an alternative to, you know, our government position. Just, just pure vindictiveness. And, and of course, yeah. uh, the reason that they'll do that is because they don't want to, um, they don't want to lose a trial. You know, and, and so they're looking a lot of, you know, what they do with a grand jury is to uh, judge uh, the uh, strength of their case. And so, you know, they don't, nobody wants to go into this as an investigator or a prosecutor or whatever and, uh, and lose. And so that's why they make those types of recommendations. But the higher ups just wanted to get even with that. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your take on what is happening with this expansion of the IRS. Because now with this uh, new bill that just got passed, uh, they're going to take the budget uh, that is currently $12 billion, and they're going to add $80 billion to it. So it's going to be you know, about seven and a half times bigger than it is right now. Uh, from having been there in the past, uh, how do you think this is going to play out? I mean, there's been a lot of talk, uh, Joe, about uh, the IRS agents who are carrying guns and that type of thing. Uh, I know there'll be a lot of agents that'll just be doing 
audits uh, like from a CPA standpoint. But um, uh, how do you think this is going to uh, play out uh, in, in terms of how it's going to affect us as individuals? Well, if I could start with the criminal investigation component just because I'm most familiar with that. Uh, but when I was uh, when I was with the IRS, there was I think between 2,800 and 3,000 IRS special agents, and now and now, or at least until this bill and the, the preparations for it, there's about 2,300. So the the headcount actually went down by about 700. Mm -hmm. uh, I think even Rhino Republicans were hesitant to you know beef up budgets um, for the IRS. Because, uh, you know, the public, at least they're going to, that kind of information is going to going to percolate down to the average Joe. Mm -hmm. um, so what's amazing, though, is now, of course, with a barely or, you know, democratically controlled Congress and a president that will sign the bill, this was basically their only chance. This is the story of a daughter of handstands, lemonade stands, and first corsages. And that perfect driver's license picture. Travelers, this is Carlos. Someone just hit my car. Is everyone okay? Are you safe? It's also the story of an insurance company that believes people always come first. If it matters to you, Travelers Insurance will help protect it. Travelers, it's better under the umbrella. Speak to an independent agent today. To, uh, to do what they probably wanted to do for, you know, 30, 40 years. Yeah. To, to really just... Pat, just pad in the the billions and have all the personnel because the ultimate the ultimate goal really is fear so that people um, self well just like self censorship right mm -hmm. they self report they pay more they they don't fight a notice that that's erroneous that telling them that they owe more taxes they want to cultivate that fear so they get the compliance uh, without really having to do anything. That's right. Um, and it's I been very effective. I mean, when you look at an army of 87,000 uh, new agents, uh, not all of them carrying guns, but uh, you can destroy somebody's life with a pencil and a paper, right? And uh, so when you look at that being unleashed on people, and, and when you look at the idea that the uh, Democrats want to raise taxes, and uh, for the most part, even though there were some corporate taxes in there that got raised, for the most part, they want to raise the revenue by uh, squeezing it out of people with the current tax law and by using the IRS. I think that's the thing that is uh, really uh, concerning and intimidating and uh, designed to intimidate people. Right. And they're, they, they're really effective at using little buzz phrases like tax the rich, uh, pay your fair share. <laughs> that's right. And, yeah. you know, these Pavlovian, they get the Pavlovian response, you know, that when you're, you have to be afraid that in a jury, uh, thankfully, I didn't have such a jury. I had a, a thinking jury, but the jury that's like, well, I got to pay my fair share. He got to pay his and they convict you, you know, over that as opposed to whether you actually violated a law. Um, but the yeah, the intimidation is is the go to um, way that they get things done. I guess what I'm concerned about is, well, for one, the good news, I'll, I'll say first, um, it's going to take a, a, quite a bit of time to ramp up to onboard, mm -hmm. even if they do have the budget for 87,000 new people. It's gonna take a, a few years at, you know, to ramp them up where they're trained and they're actually then making phone calls and sending letters. And so in the meantime, you know, that's more Americans that can wake up and get the law repealed or, or take away their budget or 
Uh, and these are stopgap, right? I mean, obviously the agency shouldn't even exist. Uh, yes. But I mean, until. Uh, and I guess uh, that's until, a question. You know, we can't get the uh, GOP to do anything to really change this structure. Uh, you, you talked about how it was created uh, 1913. You know, what did we do before that? Uh, I've mentioned many times that Thomas Jefferson said and bragged about in his second inaugural address that they had eliminated useless offices and spending in uh, his first administration. And so he said, no American now, no, no American, no farmer, no laborer, no mechanic knows the tax man. They didn't have any internal taxes at all. Uh, they had all the, the government was run off of taxes at the border. But when we had this globalization come in the early part of the 20th century, uh, they started, they, they completely reversed that to make this something coming after uh, Americans internally, that the internal revenue, you know, they'd had external revenue. Now it becomes internal revenue uh, in lockstep with the Federal Reserve and uh, and focusing on Americans rather than, you know, collecting the uh, the revenue at, at the border. Uh, so th I, I don't really think that the GOP is going to do anything to even pull back this increase. Do you? No, I'm just saying like, you know, the ramp up will take a while yeah, and, and right. we just have to keep growing our numbers. And, uh, you know, David Knight needs to have uh, 10 and 20 and 30 million listeners and and viewers and uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, would and, <laughs> I would tell them all of this stuff if I did. Yeah, there, there's a guy that, that's come out as a whistleblower in terms of talking about how this is going to impact people. Uh, William Hank, I'm sure that you've uh, seen what he's had to say, a former uh, lawyer for the IRS. And he's saying, uh, no, they're going to focus on lower income uh, people. Uh, he said, mm -hmm. that's what they've always done. And of course, they're not going to be able to raise the kinds of money. And he goes through it. He says, yeah, they're saying they're going to raise this much revenue. Well, there isn't that much revenue if you're going to talk about people making over $400,000. There's absolutely no way they could squeeze that kind of revenue out of them. They're going to have to go to the uh, people with uh, lower incomes. What was your experience uh, when they would, when you were at the IRS? I mean, how, how, was, this, uh, uh, how was the split between uh, the middle class and the poor people and uh, wealthy people in terms of audits in terms of the, the way they come after them well there was the there would definitely be a, an effort to go after the so we call them poster children um the leona helmsley's you know the mm -hmm. and there's uh, always one of those every year around april 15th isn't it interesting <laughs> right yeah we call it uh, we uh with gallows humor call it tax terrorism season uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who's going to be the poster child this year for you better pay your taxes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's so we doing. always, and there was a, there would be an uptick, like basically the, the management was looking even on a smaller scale, not the Willie Nelsons and the Pete Roses, um, but still on a smaller scale locally, you know, okay. Timing of the indictments and the, the press releases and, mm -hmm. and just cultivating that fear. Of course they didn't call it that, but ultimately that was just you know they know that they can only get so much enforcement out there but they know how much um, fear and intimidation they can generate by the publicity and so that's always been um, the priority but you know i i worked on some famous cases that may have been famous around the bay area you know or california at the time um but you had but lots of you know really people that weren't uh we're very wealthy. Uh, we're certainly targeted. Um, there, this investigation that we would do, I, I believe they still do. You probably heard of the earned income tax credit. Mm -hmm. And every year the Congress would want us to go out, the special agents, because you'd be knocking on doors. So they wanted to have the armed agents do so. And we would find massive fraud in the EITC 
program. Mm -hmm. And we'd report it to Congress, and Congress would just keep increasing the budget on it every year. <laughs> uh, and, of course, you've heard about all the Social Security uh, number fraud that goes on. I mean, oh, yeah. literally, it is such a pathetic, ugly, gross system. I don't, you know, I'm still out at 23 years trying to wake people up. I don't know why the American people put up with it. And I think, you know, if there were enough, we could change it. And so that's why you and I, uh, you know, beat our heads against the wall, just trying to tell the truth and hope that people will listen. Because in a sense, we're, we're inflicting our own punishment, you know, by, by not gathering together and saying, we've had enough. I agree. Yeah, that, that is exactly it. And they, they take advantage of people. That's one of the things that uh, Hank and others were saying was that they typically go for low-hanging fruit. They go for people who don't have a lot of money, uh, who cannot, and they, they guess they're not going to go out and hire a lawyer to fight back against this like uh, rich people would. And um, so they just know that's going to be low-hanging fruit. It's going to be easy for them to get it. And we've seen that with civil asset forfeiture as well. Uh, when they would uh, go around in Chicago, most of the cars and things like that that are stolen uh, have a low value. Uh, they're right around $1,000 because they charge somebody if they want to fight this. They have to come up with $900 to start these civil proceedings to try to prove that they're innocent. Same thing we see with the IRS, right? You're guilty and you have to prove that you're innocent. Um, and, and so they take the cars from these people who have uh, cars that are only worth a little bit more than they would have to pony up in order to uh, contest this. And so as a result, they just walk away with this stuff left and right. And I think that's what's happening a great deal with this as well. Intimidating people and, and especially preying on people they know aren't going to fight back. So what do we tell people? What, what is it that, that people need to know about the IRS, because you know, I don't want to encourage people to go directly into battle with this corrupt organization that has a lot of, of power. Uh, but what do we do in terms as, as citizens to try to, to change this thing? Uh, wh what would you suggest? And what do you tell your listeners about this? Uh, well, certainly from a, you know, I, I realize the frustration of, you know, writing, writing to your congressman and, and whatever it might be, because they won't listen. But, you know, I still think, you, you got to do that and you got to encourage others to do that. They have to hear from people that they're upset. I agree. Uh, the other thing is, another thing is I would say, uh, don't, you know, if you can help it, uh, find some time that rather than watching a football game or, uh, you know, some pastime, we all need our, our R and R. Um, but learn about your rights, learn about the limits to their even uh, over the boundaries of authority. Um, what to do if an agent knocks at your door? What, mm -hmm. what do you have to do? What, will, what can you do? Don't give them the rope to, to hang you with it. And um, that, that's probably the you know, phone calls and uh, house visits or office visits by IRS agents. Certainly, with, if there's going to be 87,000 uh, new agents pounding the pavement, uh, they're going to have a lot better opportunity to knock, do knock and talks. Mm -hmm. And that's if people important. realize... They don't have to even open the door. I mean, why do people have ring cameras and stuff on their, <laughs> on their front porch? You know, I mean, I read a I read an article yesterday. There was actually like a next door kind of a thing, and the woman says the the man covered my camera, so I opened the door to find out what he was doing. Like what? Um, you know, don't don't open the door. You know, learn. Um, there's there's videos out now about like the ATF. You probably heard out they're doing knock and talks yes. more more frequently yes. because somebody bought two guns. All of a sudden it's an arsenal, or you know some 
some BS premise that they give to, uh, to, to, to fish. Yeah. Show me your so, guns. I want to make sure that you still got your guns that these weren't straw purchases. That, that's what they do. And, right. uh, and it is surprising and you know, people and, and some of the people who did record this on, on, you know, doorbell camera, uh, then, uh, said, you know, I, I knew this was wrong. I knew they didn't have a, a, a search warrant, but I was so intimidated by it. And that's the way this works, the way the IRS works as well. And, and if they're going to do that over guns, you know, they're going to do this with, uh, you know, 87,000 new agents, you know, that there's going to be a tremendous amount of this. You know, I, I think that's very sound advice to know what your legal rights are, what their legal authority is uh, before this happens. Because again, that once they get these agents in, it's going to take a little while. Uh, it is, uh, it's going to ramp up exponentially and your chances of having an encounter like that are going to go up exponentially as well. I've talked in the past, uh, to, um, uh, a father who was, uh, uh, trapped in this CPS type of stuff. And, um, uh, Dwight Mitchell, and he went through the ringer with this thing, and he he set up a, an organization to try to educate people about what their rights are with this, and that was one of the first things he told them was, do not talk to these people. Everybody wants to initially talk to them and say, yeah, let me just show you that I didn't do anything wrong. You know, that's your first uh, approach to it. That's not what this is about. This is, uh, they're, they're fishing for things, and they will misconstrue uh, what you're telling them, for their own purposes. So he says, you do not talk to them. Uh, that isn't a sign that you're guilty. It's a sign that you understand what this process is really about. And I think that's, that's something very important for people to understand about these, um, this new army of IRS agents that are going to be, uh, knocking on your door, ringing your, um, ringing your phone. Yeah. Have your, you know, I don't, uh, maybe technologies advanced quite a bit, but you know, you can monitor your calls when they call on the answering machine and you can hear who it is. And it's usually a telemarketer, but it might be an IRS agent. Uh, it might be somebody pretending to be an IRS agent, uh, even knocking at the doors. I'm sure there'll be whole new scams of people uh, pretending to be IRS agents. So there's multiple reasons why a person doesn't need to even open the door. There's no crime against not talking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and again, in the meantime, spend some time, you know, maybe on, on my website. I have links to other websites, your website. Listen to your shows, because uh, even when you're interviewing CPS um, victims and mm -hmm. uh, AT and gun victims, it's really all the same. It is da dance card. You know, yes. it's about you do have rights. I mean, you know, as as much as I've been um, uh, harassed uh, over over my whistleblowing, you know, I still had a trial and there was a jury, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I didn't have to. In fact, I didn't testify, and I was still acquitted. Um, I was able to remain silent because the constitution acknowledges that I have that right. So, um, you know, we need to use the rights that we still have to fight for the rights that have been taken away. Um, and just, just, just fight, 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 you know, the entire, the entire way and recognize that the government, you know, isn't your friend mm -hmm. and the investigators have, they're looking for more hash marks to get their promotions. Um, and they just do not have your best interest. Now there are some, you know, that like, I believe I went to a search warrant once as an IRS special agent and, you know, I was smiling and not like, you know, nasty kind of a smile, like, Oh, we're getting you, but just like I had a demeanor, like I do now, you know, just like I'm trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And the, these other senior agents wanted to take a bunch of stuff, a bunch of assets that weren't on the search warrant, uh, to be taken. They basically just wanted to just ream these people 
by taking all their jewelry. Wow. And I happened to be the asset forfeiture coordinator at the time. And I said, we're not taking that stuff. We have no authority to take it. And he says, yes, we are. You know, I'm senior to you. I said, I'm the asset forfeiture coordinator, and I have to inventory the stuff and explain and justify why we took it. We're not taking it. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah, as civil asset forfeiture, that's one of the big things that's come in. And of course, you know, IRS, as well as the DEA, all these different uh, organizations are doing it. Now we have in California, even a sheriff's office that is actually robbing armored cars under the pretense that uh, this is contaminated money, even though the marijuana uh, facility was legal there in California under federal law, it's not. So we're going to steal everything, everything in your armored car. It's just incredible what is happening now. But, you know, one of the things, and I want to get your take on this, uh, Stuart, or, or Joe, is that, um, you know, we have... Um, we have a, a government that claims that the deficit doesn't matter anymore. Uh, this is a claim that was made during COVID by Republicans, uh, by Trump and the other people who signed on to this. The only person who seemed to have a problem with the uh, $3 trillion plus expenditure was Thomas Massey, and they were furious with him, trying to get him thrown out, especially Trump. And, and so mm -hmm. with the Democrats, they've uh, embraced this modern monetary theory, and they're adamant about the fact that the deficits don't matter whatsoever. And so then the question becomes, why do we even need to have any taxes? Is it just to take away all of our disposable income? I think that's one of the things that needs to be pointed out to some of these Republicans. It's like, if you guys don't really care the deficit matters, why are you pushing us on these taxes? Uh, I, they, they really don't have a rationale even uh, for, for doing this because they're nowhere near balancing the budget. And uh, they're never going to balance the budget. And they know that. That's why some of them are talking about having a constitutional convention in order to try to force a balanced budget. But, of course, that in and of itself is a very dangerous thing. But they know that there isn't the will to balance the budget. So why are we doing the taxes? No, I, I totally agree. In fact, I, here I was with CPA, um, got hired by the IRS. And all these things that I, you know, that as we joked, uh, were out in the conspiracy theory territory we're all completely factual um, as far as the monetary system, the real purpose for the income tax to you know, kind of scrape off all that excess money printing uh, to keep inflation under control. And when the government can you know, borrow endlessly from the Federal Reserve uh, to fund its operations, why, why is there a need for an income tax? Well, of course, it's because the Federal Reserve prints the money out of thin air mm -hmm. and then lends it to the government and the government's uh, role is to, you know, the point of a gun, uh, bring the tax money back to the, to the federal reserve in terms of interest payments. I agree. So, you know, it's, it's too bad. The public, uh, I mean, it, there's some complexities to it, but you know, books like creature from Jekyll Island by mm -hmm. Edward Griffin, mm -hmm. uh, America, freedom to fascism, a film that I was in back in 2006. Um, there's all kinds of ways, really simple ways on the internet for people to, to get the basics. Uh, they just have to take the time to do so. And, I agree. Uh, yeah, you know, you're talking about uh, Edward Griffin's uh, book, uh, Creature from Jekyll Island, and some of these other things. I think we're about ready to have uh, another uh, resetting of the uh, the dollar as a uh, you know the, in the same way that. Uh, Nixon took us off of the gold standard and put us on to uh, the petrodollar and that type of thing. Central bank digital currency. And you know, when I think about the central bank digital currency and their ability to preemptively control everything that we spend 
And to be able to confiscate money uh, just at a flick of a switch from us, uh, what happens to the IRS when they go to a central bank digital currency? Are, are these people going to become like Uber drivers when they go to uh, fully automated uh, taxi cabs, Johnny cabs? <laughs> well, one thing you can bet on, at least in all my experience and research, uh, is that the they're very forward thinking in, in the government. And so, in fact, like in 1998, when I was there, they had the IRS Restructuring and Reform Act. So the, you know, the oxymoronic uh, names of bills like the Inflation Reduction Act, mm -hmm. uh, the Restructuring Reform Act was not about restructuring and reforming the IRS. Uh, it was really about hiding their tracks from, from stuff they had done in the past. But they always put, you know, the, the pearls around the, the pig's neck yeah. uh, to make it look good. But I have a feeling that those 87,000 agents in this, this uptick in IRS, it, it's about being there and being ready when the turmoil hits mm -hmm. with uh, the, the bad currency and knowing that people are going to uh, maybe not pay their tax bills so that they can survive. Yes. And they need these agents uh, who are going to be there ready to, to take your property if you don't cooperate, even if you don't have the money to pay. I agree. Yeah, taking your property. Oh. And here's where, the, here, here's where I put on my conspiracy theory tinfoil hat. Uh, I, I think that's what, what's going to happen is this army of IRS agents are being prepared to try to take assets away from people who are going to be outside of the CBDC. Uh, that's going to be something that uh, people are going to try to avoid like the plague. Even more so uh, than any plague that they that they uh, uh, invent. I mean, I wasn't trying to avoid the plague myself because I didn't believe there was a plague when it was going through. But I, I think that uh, when they push this CBDC through, they're going to have to have two different aspects of it. One of them is going to be, okay, here's the thing, and we want you to do this, and then we're going to incentivize it for a little while and try to get as many people using it as we'll do it, as we saw with the vaccines, right? Uh, they're going to say, well, this is great. You ought to have it. It's going to save your life. Then the next step is uh, we'll have a lottery here. And, uh, you know, you have a chance of uh, winning lots of money if you take the vaccine. Uh, I think the correlation to that with a CBDC will be that they will uh, say, well, uh, we're going to make it so much easier for you. They might even throw in some cash uh, bonuses if you use the CBDC at the beginning. But then you're going to get to the point where they're going to try to coerce you. And, and I think that's where this army of IRS agents are coming in. I think that's the forward-thinking part about it. People are looking at this and saying, wow, they're really going to make our life hell with this. I think the, the life, making your life hell is going to be using this army of IRS agents to attack us if we try to have a, um, uh, a, um, an economy that is outside of the CBDC. Do you agree? What do you think? I, I, I do very much. Uh, but yeah, as, as I know you're, you're on board with this, uh, we're, we're Americans. We don't yeah. give up. That's right. Uh, we might be collectively uh, way too apathetic. Uh, we've let the uh, cancer grow uh, way too way too far throughout the body. But we're, we don't give up. And you know, people like yourself, all the whistleblowers relating to the COVID jabs and the uh, gain-of-function research and all that stuff, those, that's from you know, brave people who said, I need to tell my neighbor. I need to tell... My neighbor, because I care about my neighbor, that this shot is a, a death shot or that this income tax is a scam or that the IRS agents, uh, you know, you don't have to talk to them. Uh, you know, get out, spend a little more time on protecting yourself and your family because the, the resources are out there, mm -hmm. including the David Knight show. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, maybe a little less of the uh, football games and things like that.
Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you might find that we can actually affect a change for the better. I agree. Yeah. I think it, it's going to be, um, it's going to have to be an education thing and, uh, we're going to have to warn people about the poss possibility of how this is going to be used. Tell them about how this is currently being abused and, uh, and it's going to be a life saving issue, just like this vaccination thing was. And we go back and we look at this and, and it, uh, it breaks my heart to see all the people who have been killed and injured with this and who continually, uh, who continue uh, to be misguided with all this and, and continue to live in fear. And we have to push back against this. And I think a key thing is going to be educating people around us and our group of people that we have influence with as, as well as we can. And it's also going to be making sure that we have good people in local offices. Uh, I've been telling people, Joe, that uh, I think it's far more important who your sheriff is than who's sitting in the Oval Office, <laughs> because that's really going to be more protection for you, or it's going to make things a lot worse for you if the wrong person gets in, uh, depending on um, uh, that. Then you know who is in the Oval Office or who is uh, even in the state capitol. It's going to be the local officials who will have your back or who will be beating you on the back at a at a higher rate. And I think that's the key thing. You look at eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents. And yet there's a lot more local law enforcement uh, officials at the uh, sheriff's level and things like that that could protect us against this if they understand that we're all in this together. In yes. In fact, uh, maybe you've interviewed him once or more than once, Richard Mack, a uh, former sheriff yes. mm -hmm. in Arizona. Uh, he's got the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, or CSPOA.org. Yes. Uh, and that's exactly the kind of, at least a, an organized effort, There's any effort is good. Yeah, uh, but that's an organized effort to reach out to each and every sheriff across the country. Uh, you know, excess of three thousand of them. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, uh, one of one of the many things I admire about you is is reminding people about you know acting locally. Because mm -hmm. uh, how much you can, how much change you can really affect uh, locally just with a with a sheriff's office. That's so, um, yeah, people might check out. And that's a key thing. You know, we can be caught up so much in the personalities and the politics, and and they want to direct us. Uh, continually to Washington, where we have the least ability to affect anything because it is so distant from us, and not just geographically, uh, but it is there's so many different levels, uh, you know, uh, away from us that it is very difficult to have any kind of uh, a chance to uh, change anything there. And the, uh, the whole situation is, is very rigged. Even if we want to have an honest election, uh, that's something that we're going to have to work for at the local level. They don't want us having relationships with each other. They want us connected to them in a centralized way uh, through Zoom and other things like that, rather than having face-to-face -face meetings with other people. And that's going to be the key thing. But I really do think that uh, that is the way, one of the most dangerous ways that this army of IRS agents are going to be used. And that is to uh, try to shut down any alternative economy that would exist. And I think that's going to go for cryptocurrency. I think it's going to go for people who try to do anything in terms of a barter and local community. I think that's what they've got this army of agents for. That's my, my uh, just uh, spidey sense about this, if you will. <laughs> Can't prove it yet, but I, I think we watch this space, and I think we're going to see some evidence coming. Well, it's great talking to you, Joe. We're going to have to get you on again. And um, Agent for Truth is where people can find you, and the name of the book that they can find there at agentfortruth.com. Uh, investigating the federal income tax, a report to the American people. Good, good. Absolutely. You've been there. You've walked the walk. You've kept your integrity. 
I have the utmost admiration for you, Joe. I appreciate what you've done. Uh, and um, it has its own reward. I, I know it's been tough for you, uh, but it has its own reward. And uh, you have um, uh, kept your integrity, and that's the best any of us can do. Thank you for what you do. Appreciate that. I, I admire you too, David. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you. Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com. This is the story of a home. That was some storm. And the insurance company that offered information and advice to help prepare that home for the worst. If it matters to you, Travelers Insurance will help protect it. Travelers, speak to an independent agent today. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.